A topical message basically is born out of this question, and that is, boy, what am I going to say? You're listening to an ongoing discussion on life, ministry, and leadership. This is the Brian Sams Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Brian Sams Podcast. I'm Brian Sams, your host. It's so good to have you with us here at the beginning of the summer of 2020. Today's exciting because we're going to begin a small eight-week series on biblical preaching. And the purpose of this episode is to not only give you some ideas and some pointers about preaching, it's also to introduce you to an opportunity that we are launching at Veritas Baptist College. Starting in the fall of 2020, in the spring of 2021, we are starting two brand new courses at Veritas entitled Sermon Prep and Sermon Delivery. And I tell you what I'm really excited about. The content's going to be fantastic, but we have five different men that are going to be providing lectures. We have uh, Pastor Scott Toole, Pastor Carrie Schmidt, Pastor Kenny Baldwin, myself, and our guest today, Pastor Kurt Skelly. Kurt, welcome today to the Brian Sams Podcast. Wow. Thanks so much for having me. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Yes. And when I say the names Scott Toole, Carrie Schmidt, Kenny Baldwin, included in an opportunity to learn from those men about preaching. What 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 strikes you about this combination of teachers and the opportunity that this class is going to present? What strikes me first when you mention them, well, obviously, they're all my dear friends, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. But what strikes me, Brian, about those men is the fact that their styles are so, so divergent, uh, and yet they're all committed to biblical preaching absolutely which, which which demonstrates to me that that the power is in the word absolutely. and it's distilled through the personality of the preacher yes yeah and, and i want to thank you for uh joining us for the class i'm excited to learn um preaching even with you and from you and obviously i count you a great friend and besides our friendship i do uh Thank you for your commitment to biblical preaching. I've always been encouraged from your preaching as well. So we're gonna we're gonna be teaming up together, uh, lecturing on the subject of preaching, and then I'm going to kind of lead the class and the assignments and those sorts of things. And that's gonna be really exciting. I think it's gonna be a great opportunity for college students. I also think it's gonna be a great opportunity for even pastors to maybe listen to the lectures and sharpen their skills a little bit. Don't you think a pastor could greatly benefit from listening to the lectures on preaching that we're going to be providing? I have no doubt. And, you know, it, that's not a sign of weakness to continue to learn how to culture our skill. I do that all the time. I will regularly go back and watch a video of myself preaching not in a narcissistic way, because I always hate doing it. <laughs> yeah, right. But but we all need to be careful to be self-evaluative when it comes to the way we deliver, what we deliver, how we deliver, all of it. Yes. Yeah, I've always told my students in the past that don't let me be your biggest critic as your teacher. You know, I'm going to have to evaluate certain things, and I'm going to have to listen to your style and listen to how you put together your message and offer some feedback but I think the best critic of a preacher is the preacher himself 
who will be honest with himself with a heart to grow. And I don't know any preacher that's ever listened to himself and thought, man, that was just great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just don't, I mean, I've never done it. I know when I listen to myself preach, I cringe. I always think I didn't even finish that sentence, mm-hmm. you know, or, or why in the world, how did I totally mess that illustration up? Or I forgot that, or, you know, or I said, um, a thousand times or whatever the case might be. And uh, so I think there's some great blessing and and keeping a heart to continue to grow in the skill. Of course, I'm I'm even more excited. I think about all these college students, young men that want to preach the word of God, who in their initial undergraduate college training they're going to they're going to hear about preaching. So what we what we're going to do today, Kurt, is we're going to look at one angle of sermon preparation, one okay. angle that I think becomes a real question for a lot of people. And it's really the first question that you have to deal with when you think about preaching. And it's a simple one. It's almost so simple we don't even dissect it often, but it's this. What text am I going to preach? Mm. You know, that's the question, right? I mean, I've got an opportunity to preach or I'm preaching a series or I'm just taking a church and I'm going to start actually preaching. Whether you think about it or not consciously, the very first question on your mind is what text am I going to preach? We call this text selection. And before we get into that, just in general, would you mind speaking out and giving me a couple minutes on, first of all, how you would define expository preaching and what the significance or the importance of that is? Well, sure. As you know, and I, probably most of our listeners know, expository preaching is my preferred method of preaching. It's not the only way, and I'll talk about what it is here in a moment. It's not the only way by which to preach, but to me, it's the preferred way. So an expository message is a message in which the preacher allows a text of scripture as it was given by the Lord to serve as the subject of the basis for his message. And the message is simply the exposing, uh, the, uh, the walking through of that text, demonstrating the thought of the original, uh, of the author to the original audience. So, uh, trans- to, uh, so interpreting that text within its literal grammatical context and then making the application to the modern hearer. What's wonderful about expository preaching is that it is the subject of the scripture that becomes the subject of your message. It is the tone of the passage which becomes the tone of your message. Mm -hmm. It is the way by which that subject is explained, described, illustrated that becomes the way by which your message is explained, described, and illustrated. And the, the pushback that some people give to expository preaching is that in a topical message, you know, you're covering a particular topic, you're dealing with needs, you're dealing with where people really are, where, where people really are at. And what I would say to that is, listen, expository preaching is topical preaching because God speaks in topics. Absolutely. There are topic sentences, uh, there are themes. And so every correctly prepared expository message will be a topical message. 
So why not have the best of both worlds? And to say that an expository message doesn't meet needs is really analogous to saying that God does not meet needs. Right. Because God's <laughs> the one that gave it. Yeah, and the thing I also love about this same uh, kind of a, almost just the same thought there is this. There's two ways to look at your church and preaching. One is the pastor is supposed to meet the needs of the people. The other thought is that God meets the needs of the people. And I don't have to evaluate, you know, what topics does my church really need per se. If I'm preaching the word, I know that God through his word is going to meet the need. We could give scores of illustrations of how God has specifically met needs through the systematic exposition of scripture, which is, which is really what we're after. I was curious on this. It just popped in my head. I thought I'd ask you, have you ever read W.A. Criswell's autobiography? I've not read his autobiography. No, okay. Sir. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to push it here for just a second. It's, it's really one of the things that confirmed in me the need for systematic preaching of, of the text. And W.A. Criswell tells a story about how he became an expository preacher. Of course, he preached through the Bible. I think it took him 19 years or so to First Baptist Church in Dallas, but he was not an expository preacher for about three or four years in his first couple churches. Then he took the, the First Baptist Church of Muskogee, Oklahoma, and he went to the office of the pastor who had just been deceased only for a couple of months, and that preacher's wife gave him a copy of the Bible that was the, the former pastor's. And he said, he sat there one afternoon and just began to flip the pages, starting in Genesis, and he began to see beside different texts, dates, January 1st, 1932, January 8th, 1932, and they were sequential. And he said that whole afternoon, he just realized that what that old preacher did was he just was preaching the word, story after story, line upon line, chapter after chapter. And that was the birthplace of uh, Expository Preacher for him. It's a great story. It's a great book called Standing on the Promises. Uh, it's an autobiography. I'd highly recommend it to anybody that's listening. And it's just a tremendous illustration of what you just said. Now, obviously, when we talk about expository preaching, even within that, Jerry Vines kind of talks about two, two types. There's, he calls general exposition, which basically means every message I preach, regardless if it's in a series, uh, you know, a book study is basically birthed in the style that you described. So in, o- in other words, you and I both speak out at different places from time to time. You may not preach through the book of James in a Bible conference, but whatever message you preach is going to be expositional in the sense of the way that you present it from the text. Correct. And then, of course, there's systematic exposition. This is this is the preaching through consecutive books of the Bible. And this is predominantly what what I do, what what you do, I know, and many others that we could give examples of. I want us to talk about that for a little bit. I want us to talk first about selecting passages when you are thinking about preaching books of the Bible. Why don't you give us some thoughts on maybe in your early church when you first started pastoring, maybe even now when you transition to a ministry in the later years of your life, what were some of the books of the Bible that God led you to preach through? And how would you describe maybe the way God led you to preach through some of those books? No, that's a great question. Let me backtrack for one quick moment, then come back to that question. You mentioned about the fallacy that the, the, that the pastor is the one that necessarily understands the needs of his people. And I love the illustration that Scott Toole uses, and I know it's not unique to him, But he says, you know, there's a fallacy among preachers that somehow the pastor is like the spiritual doctor 
The church is the hospital and people are patients. So the doctor has to meet the needs of the patients. And I would agree with that illustration, but I would make one change. And the one change would be, yeah, the church, certainly metaphorically, we could look at as a hospital. And all of us, certainly, we could look at ourselves as in need of medication, need of treatment. But the doctor is the Lord. Right. Yeah, there (laughs) you go. He's the great physician. So what part does the preacher play? Mm -hmm. And I love this. So Scott Toole says, no, the the pastor is the pharmacist. Mm. So a pharmacist is the one that receives the script from the doctor. The doctor does the diagnosis. The doctor understands the issue. The doctor prescribes the, the cure. The pharmacist simply fills the prescription. So when we, when we give the word of God to people in a systematic way, we're filling the prescription of the doctor. And I, I like that illustration. I like that extended metaphor better. But when it comes to selecting the text, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, the pastor, the preacher has to select a text. So how does he go about doing that? And I, I'm going to go ahead and say the obvious because <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want that to to, I don't want us to our audience to think that we're not thinking through that. Obviously, spend much time in prayer. Absolutely, you know. Obviously, ha- have the the mind of the Lord as far as uh, praying for your people, praying about the actual selection of the text, saturating yourself with the Word of God. I think also implicit in selection is the fact that we're not novices ourselves. So mm-hmm. there needs to be a general understanding of the Word of God in macro. So to understand what are the books of the Bible about, if I were to say Habakkuk or I were to say to you 1 Timothy, or if I just mentioned Ezra, would you know what those books are about? What what are their themes? Uh, How would that theme play into the life's blood of my church in this season? So I think there is a certain amount of what does this book teach What is the tone of this book? Where is my church at? I think that's where the Lord comes in to help us to prescribe those messages. But it's not a weekly prescription. Yeah, that's good. Every week saying, okay, what's the passage I need to choose out of the 31,000 verses in the Bible? (laughs) How am I going to mix them together like some kind of special cocktail to take (laughs) nine different verses? And Because at the end of the day, then your messages all end up sounding the same. Right. Because you're going to default to what you're familiar with. You're going to default to the verses that you like to quote. And you're really going to be robbing your people of an essential part of their diet. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I just thought of a really great question that oftentimes I've heard people kind of push back a little bit with what you just said. And that would be somebody might say, well, wait a second. So if you pick a book of the Bible, if the Lord leads you to preach through John, let's just use John. And John has 21 chapters. I mean, conservatively, it's going to take you at least 30 sermons. And some of those would be very survey-ish type messages. And so you're talking about preaching through John for over a year, close to a year. Okay, so somebody would say, well, wait a second, how does that affect the week-to-week what God might put on the heart of the pastor? You know, you hear that like, well, if you're just committing to preaching for a year on, you know, a book, doesn't that eliminate the week-to-week laying of something on the heart of the pastor? Well, first of all, the the God that can lay something (laughs) on my heart for a week can lay something on my heart for a year. That is so good. 
It's the same God. <laughs> that's my so, answer I mean, every time. I love that. That's that's my answer. Absolutely. And then the other thing is, what are the great benefits of expository preaching? Uh, when I say you know, it, sequential preaching through a book of the Bible, is that it takes the personality of the preacher away in a message of rebuke. For instance, let's say that your church is going through a situation where they've had to deal with a public immorality. Maybe a member of your church that has some standing in the community that's been unfaithful to his wife. And oh my, what, what do we tend to do? Well, sometimes if we're immature preachers, sometimes we tend to say, well, I'm going to blast that thing wide open. I'm just, right. Or sometimes if we're overcautious, we say, I'm going to stay away from that like with a 10-foot pole. Both approaches are wrong. One is the approach of bravado. One is the approach of fear. Neither approach is right. But let's say I'm just preaching through the Bible and I happen to be in the book of 1 Corinthians. And my passage that week is 1 Corinthians chapter 5, dealing with the man that was immoral with his own stepmother. Right. Now, to be faithful to the text, I need to preach that. Now, are people going to be thinking about the situation when I do? Of course they are. Right. Of course they are. But what, what are they going to know? They're going to know that when I selected this series 10 weeks ago, I could not have known this. So what does it do? It gives credence Number one, to the authority of God's word, it gives credence, number two, to the fact that God is going to specifically dose his word at the time that we need it most. Yeah, so, so yeah, absolutely. So essentially, expository preaching yields itself in dependence on God. You're basically saying, God, I'm, I'm going to preach your word and I'm going to trust it at the right time and the right place. Your word is going to minister to the needs in, in the way that only God could do it, which is brilliant. And it's powerful when that happens. I wanted to mention another benefit of this kind of preaching. That would be you also get direction for long seasons. For instance, like me right now, I'm getting ready to start a series through the life of Christ. You and I talked about this on the phone a couple of days ago, and I've never done it before. I'm going to do a chronological life of Christ. I've already kind of got the map going. And man, it's going to set my course for a long, long time, just like when I preach through John or Acts. And you know, there's a great deal of comfort that comes there whenever that's one thing that I'm not worried about in the myriad of responsibilities that I have in a given week. I don't have to even ask anymore, what am I preaching this week? Because I already know. And that there's a lot of calm in that storm, isn't there? Not, not only is there calm in that storm, but it enables you from square one, from Monday morning to begin the process of saturating yourself in that text. So sometimes a preacher will spend the lion's share of his week at what am I going to preach on? What am I going to preach on? And so much needless emotional energy is spent and wasted time. What am I going to? What am I going to? Instead of I know what I'm going to and I'm vesting myself right now in the preparation for that message. Then the other thing I would say is this. Every expository message is already set up by the message from last week. Hmm. So if we're preaching in context, the context for the message I'm preaching this week has been provided in the message I preached last week. So a lot of unnecessary intro is taken away because I've provided the intro. And the tendency for a preacher to get out of bounds or to get outside the guardrails of the text is much more difficult because in an expository message, 
the text becomes the guardrail. Mm. And it's almost impossible for you to step outside of the meaning of that text if you're committed to the expository approach to that text. Yeah, no, that's very good. You know, I think it also, it really, in summary on that point, it kind of eliminates certain stresses then, right? I mean, if I'm not waking up Monday, Tuesday, trying to figure out what I'm actually going to preach, so I don't even get to the actual study till, you know, Wednesday or Thursday or whatever, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden Sunday's coming. And what a terrible place to be. Like today's Wednesday. When we're recording this, it's on Wednesday. Well, my sermon is predominantly finished for Sunday. Now, what I get to do the rest of the week is I get to really hone that message. I get to make sure the illustrations are well. I get to, I get to kind of commit it to my heart. I get to work on what I would call internalization. I'm going to, so that when I present the sermon on Sunday, it's like I'm pouring it out of my heart, not coming from a piece of paper that I had to kind of copy and paste some things on Saturday night. That's another really great strength to having your text selected in advance. Also, one hundred percent on on everything you just said. Maybe this will help our listeners right now. If you're listening, a topical message basically is born out of this question, and that is, boy, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And an expository message, properly prepared, really by the end of the week, you have to ask yourself the question, what am I not going to say? (laughs) Yeah, that's so Because you are so full. There's so much there that you really have to decide now, what am I not going to say? Mm. It's a much stronger way by which to enter the pulpit. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk next week. Me and you are going to talk next week about observation and how some of that plays in. And I can't wait to talk about that. So let me ask you this. So why don't you give some advice to our listeners, maybe a guy who's getting ready to take his first church. Give him some thoughts on selecting his first series or book to preach. Not necessarily what he has to do, but what what kind of things would you have him consider there? You know, the the book that that I would preach if I were starting a church would be the book of First Thessalonians. Mm. And the reason for that is because, and I would, depending on if I started with a Sunday morning and then maybe a midweek small group, uh, whatever you want to call that, I would probably do the book of John for, for one and First Thessalonians for the other. And the reason for First Thessalonians is because this was a church at which the Apostle Paul had spent very limited time. I mean, if you're to just look at Acts 17, three Sabbath days. I mean, he could have been there longer, but the, the text seems to indicate he was there about a month or a little bit over a month. And yet here was a church that was showing the dynamic a fruit of a mature set of believers. And the Apostle Paul wrote them back to say, here's why, here's why your church is where it is. God used us in your lives to accomplish this. Here are the kinds of people God used. Uh, That's chapter two. Here's what God did. That's chapter one. Here's how God used you. Here's how you received the word of God. So to me, 1 Thessalonians is the book Hmm. because it's going to help the people understand what kind of preacher, what, what kind of preacher should we have? And all those descriptions in the beginning of chapter two, you know, not with flattering words, not with a cloak of covetousness and all of that. And yet, what kind of listener should we be? Hey, they receive the word of God, not as men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. What kind of Christians should we be? You know, what should be our focus? I mean, First Thessalonians to me would be a wonderful way 
for a church platter to begin his preaching. Yeah, that's really great. I know I did that very early on at my ministry here in Harvest First Thessalonians and, and John. So two out of the two for two for me and you preaching in the early days. Hey, I got one more question for you. And that's this. Not everybody gets an opportunity to speak in other places, but, but the truth is the good majority of pastors at some point are going to speak in some way at some other church. It might be for a fill-in for one of their friends or, you know, a Bible conference or maybe just a, a some kind of special event. You get to preach a lot in other places, obviously. Why don't you just give me a quick thought on selecting a passage when you are the guest speaker? Well, and I know guys disagree on this, but I, I will say this. Almost always, I will ask the pastor, hey, is there a particular direction that you would like for me to go? Is there a certain topic? Is there a certain need that you're seeing? What have you been preaching, pastor? Mm-hmm. Is there a book of the Bible that... Why? Because that pastor is living among those sheep. Mm-hmm. That pastor knows. And, and I don't know what he's been preaching on. Mm-hmm. I don't know what direction he's been going. I don't know what big events are happening in the life of the church. So I'm more than willing to get some feedback. And I'll tell you... A lot of times guys will say, well, brother, just preach what God laid upon your heart. And I said, I appreciate that, but I really want to know. Mm -hmm. And when I ask it the second time, that's typically when somebody will give me some direction. When I ask the first time, they're typically, oh, no, no, whatever you want. It'll all be great. And I appreciate that. that. That That's a kind thing to say. But I really do want to know what that leader thinks. No, that's really great. And I know on the occasions you've been at my church, you've done just that and the, and the sermons have been right on point. So that's a really great principle for those who would be selecting. We're going to pick that up next week. Kurt, thanks for joining us today. And, and before we go on this episode, tell us a little bit about your daily in the word podcast as well as your Facebook broadcast that you're doing right now. Sure. Yeah. Well, currently, as many of you know, I do a daily live Bible study on Facebook. And uh, we're just finishing up the book of First Peter, and I'd love to have you come join us for that. And then I have uh, an audio podcast. You can listen to that anytime. By the way, the one on Facebook, you can listen to it anytime as well. It's We leave it up. But then the other one's just called Everyday Truth, and we're just nearing the end of the book of Luke in that podcast. 15 minutes, both of them, 15 to 20 minutes, in the Bible every day. Uh, that's our goal. We'd love to have you join us. Yeah, they are just absolutely phenomenal. My wife listens to them a lot. We've listened to them in family devotions. I've even had our staff listen to them on occasion together. Uh, Kurt, you just do a phenomenal job teaching the Bible. And thank you for joining us today. And thank you for listening to the Brian Sams podcast. This has been Brian Sams. You can always go to briansams.com and look at the show notes, listen to the audio, and connect with me and Pastor Skelly when you get a chance. Until next time, have a great day.